everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Yoast SEO podcast. Today, we are joined by my good and dear friend, Nicholas Stott, from the other side of the channel, um, which is pretty darn close if you think of it, but we haven't seen each other in ages, unfortunately. Um, so, hi and welcome, Nicola. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Let's start with an introduction of who you are and what you do. Can you tell us? So I'm the founder and managing director of Erudite. We are a technical marketing agency specializing purely in organic marketing. So that is specifically SEO, CRO and web analytics. Cool. I've never heard it put in, in a corner like that, but I like that distinction. SEO and CRO together always makes the most sense anyway. Uh, so yeah, organic marketing. I'm going to steal that from you. So you're a relatively small, can I say that without insulting you, agency? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We, we like to refer to ourselves as small, but perfectly formed. Uh, yeah. I, I think the, the, the marketing term for this is boutique, but. <laughs> that's a, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, it, it's funny how these things work. One of the reasons I asked you on the show is because I wanted to talk about, hey, where do agencies fit in? Uh, when when you, as a business owner, at what point do you start working with agencies? What, how does this work, et cetera? So we're try, going to try and cover that in the next 40, 45 minutes. And well, let's start with that. When do I hire an agency? When should I call you and say, hey, Nicola, I need help? To an extent, I think this applies to an awful lot of things. So if we imagine that you're, you're speaking in the main to, to startup businesses or businesses who are on some sort of growth path, hiring an agency or hiring a person or a, another service provider is generally at a point where you do not want to or are suddenly not qualified to provide that level of intensity and frequency of whatever that service is. So it, it could be the same answer of when do I um, hire a full-time bookkeeper? Because, you know, if you're starting up, if you're self-funded, even if you've got some external funding, if you're the, the business founder, you're probably still wearing an awful lot of hats. You're probably still paying your invoices. You're probably still the one that's hiring and, and firing and doing HR and all the rest of it. And you might still be doing all of your, all of your marketing. But it gets to that certain level of growth at which it doesn't make business sense and it doesn't make personal sense for your own quality of life to still keep hold of all of these tasks. Now, there's no magic number as, as to where that is. It's going to be relative to, to, to your business size, your business profitability, um, the resources that you need to run your business. So certain types of businesses like an affiliate marketing business can be run really light and lean. But a product marketing business, um, particularly physical products, may require a lot more staff and a lot more different teams. So it's that numbers game. It's when working out, OK, do I want to work 18 hours a day? You know, <laughs> Where's my quality of life? Is it now the point at which I can pay an agency two, two grand a, a month and they will take that off me because my time is more valuable than that work? So it's just working out when that pivot point is for you. 
And um, you mentioned an amount here. I'm assuming that's rather random, but two grand a month is is that a, a typical type of engagement for what you're doing, or is that more or less, depending on? Well, of course, it depends on the size of the client and the project, etc. Uh, so, as usual, the answer is going to be it depends, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is, I think, the most typical SEO answer for everything, or the typical consulting answer, but. Is is two grand a month? I mean, if it's if you only have three hundred bucks a month to spare, you you really shouldn't be hiring an agency, should you? No, absolutely not. Um, reason being, if you can find someone for three hundred bucks a month, that's probably more going to be a risk than a reward. You know, if you think about it in terms of any professional services, if you're hiring super cheap, how? Because how much time are they doing? Uh, what's your hourly rate? If you think about how, not you personally, Yost, but you, you know, you no. the, tell me, no, you the business owner, if you think about, you know, what's my turnover? What might I consider the value of my work as managing director? If I'm on a salary or should be on a value salary equivalent of £70,000 per year, what does that equate to my hourly rate? So if I'm paying an SEO agency or a freelancer 300 pounds or whatever bucks a month and they're doing five days work, what's their hourly rate? Very, very little. So what value am I going to get from that? So it's very much that kind of the quality will come to the surface. Um, For small businesses, our day rate, I'll be super clear, 700 pounds a day if you've got less than a million turnover. Um, We have a different rate for million turnover plus businesses, um, and we find that to be fair and good quality. And it means we can do enough work in enough time to get people on that trajectory. And our goal is to get people above that one million turnover, pretty sharpish. (laughs) Both of us. Yeah, yeah, and then after that they have to pay you more, which works and all. I, I mean, I, I remember when I was still a consultant, um, my day rates were higher, um, slightly, <laughs> uh, but it was just me. So that's also a very different thing because I'm a sh- in an agency. You're always you've always got a couple of different people looking at a project and you're doing things together, which is one of the reasons why I think hiring an agency sometimes makes sense because you get a couple of people looking at it and talking about it and bringing their experience instead of just one person. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, and to be honest, from my perspective, I am a pretty decent SEO, but I'm also smart enough to know that I am not the best person to do all of the work anymore. And that was, you know, growing an agency organically, um, there comes a point where you have to stop doing the work yourself because you can't, it's similar to that analogy of being the business owner and hiring people in to do your books, hiring people in to do your HR. It's the same for me and building the business. There was a point four years ago where I was spinning so many plates, I had to stop and give up certain aspects and hiring in a team that are super smart, much better than me, much more immersed and at the coalface, I'm smart enough to be able to see who is smarter than me. That's the trick really, isn't it? You bring these people on and they are your JavaScript specialist. They are your performance optimization specialist. And and they are doing that full time, day in, day out. That means their skills are much fresher. Uh, They're much more fully immersed in that. And you can be free to kind of look after growing the business and trust these people to, to deliver on the best quality of service and the best recommendations and the best ROI. So... 
independent of where you are as a as a business, um, is there stuff in SEO that you really should be doing yourself? Do you have an opinion on that? That's a really interesting question, actually. Uh, one of the things I often say is that keyword research is something that you should at least engage yourself with. So you can't fully outsource that to an agency because they'll come up with the wrong things very often. So I think there is a lot of truth in that. What we tend to do in, in the way that we approach keyword research is we do that quite collaboratively. So we will present, some things are pretty easy. You know, you've got a, you've got a really simple product and you've got a really simple match. Um, we worked for a fluid dynamics company, um, six months, maybe probably longer than that because pandemic time moves quicker, doesn't it? <laughs> but essentially these are, these are products, these are valves, these are things that have technical numbers attached to them that lack meaning for us as an agency approaching that. So when it comes to super technical things um, or B2B in particular, you do need to work collaboratively. So whilst we might have the tools and the expertise to be able to do um, crazy cool stuff with um, pivot tables and concatenating functions and that sort of thing, to be able to pull loads and loads of data sources together, what we don't have is that immersion of working for 10 years in fluid dynamics to be able to say, well, what's the difference between an L7431 and an L7469? Do you know, <laughs> And that's where you need to sort of sit down with the client and really consult with them. So... Yes and no. I think the agency expertise can come in the number crunching, the ability to pull data together quickly, but the real business acumen, you can't swap out the client's own passion and own, own knowledge for that. No, no, I can see that. And um, is there other stuff in, in an SEO project where, you're, where you should stay involved yourself? Um, I think involved, absolutely. Particularly if you're a smaller business, like sub 1 million turnover, I think it's a really, really good idea to, to have a steer um, because this is fundamental to your growth. It's possibly the best growth channel, um, although you shouldn't always put your eggs in one basket, but it will facilitate more sustainable, reliable growth for your business, possibly than any other channel at the moment. So it makes absolute sense to keep to keep some control on that, to uh, ask questions all the time to push your agency, to challenge your agency, so that you're working more in partnership and more collaboratively in that phase of growth. Obviously, over that sort of turnover, you know, you're devolving more responsibility, hiring marketing managers, e-commerce directors, CMOs, whoever that may be. So you, you will have to lessen the reins there. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things I, I I was tweeting about this recently. It, it's one of the things that drives me nuts is the as your company grows, how much copy you're writing and how often you're you're just thinking about all these different kinds of copy. So we've we've recently had this thing within Yoast where we um, we were putting job off uh, job ads out there, and we we had to rewrite like. Uh, a, a few of them because they weren't attracting the right people okay. and then we figured out that as we rewrote them they much better people applied but then you go like oh shit i need to put my best copywriters on my job outfits and then, then now i'm suddenly stuck with like all these things that need writing <laughs> no, that never stops though does it and that that's one thing that we will we will never do um it, it, you know, we won't accept blo a guest post up, you know, people saying, I'm a great writer. Can I write some content for you? And it's just not something we as a business 
would do because your content is your soul. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. every, our tone of voice, our company values, the way that we do things, you just can't, you can't outsource that. You're absolutely right. And, you know, even, even as you say, when it comes to job ads, even things on the periphery that you think other people should be able to manage, maybe in, in certain early stages they can, but ultimately it has to be one analogous tone of voice and present that face forward. Okay, so um, when I'm looking for an agency, what should I be looking for as a business owner? Mm -hmm. What should I expect? So there's two parts to that. I'll, I'll do the expectations secondly, but in terms of what to look for, some things are quite easy to evaluate. So tr track record, for example, ask for those case studies. More importantly, ask for phone numbers of the last two or three clients. One thing that we often do, um, as well as giving phone numbers of clients who we're currently working with, we'll also give at least one, maybe two phone numbers of clients who stopped working with us for whatever reason. Um, it might be because of the pandemic meant that their business priorities had changed. It might be um, in one case, uh, an acquisition meant that the strategy for that particular business moved in house but we still give the number of the people that we worked with there because th we think it's good that it demonstrates track record, not just for people who, who you still have a business relationship with, but you don't have a business relationship with them anymore. So it, it yeah. kind of speaks volumes. So track record, number one. Um, number two, knowledge. If you don't feel qualified to evaluate the, the kind of knowledge and expertise yourself, you can maybe rely a certain extent on the industry. So just Google them. Google their key personnel. So not just their founder, who's the head of SEO? Who was their head of performance? Who were their senior high profile people? And Google them to see what they are writing about. What industry conference are they speaking about? What R&D initiatives are they leading? And the third thing, and this is something that nobody else can quantify but you, the buyer, is chemistry. And I think that is so important and so undervaluated. Uh, undervalued, sorry, or underrated. I just made a new word. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, th there's no replacement for that. There's no substitute for that. And it doesn't matter about an agency's track record. And it doesn't matter about how good they appear to be. If you don't get on as humans, <laughs> it's the hard, relationship yeah. might, it, it's just, you know, it just might not work. You need a good yeah. chemistry fit. And you've got to kind of evaluate that in your kind of sale, pre-sales and your briefing stage and all of that. Are you going to get on as you work together? Yeah. Yeah. If you if you don't like that person on the other end of the table, it's going to be a long and hard project. Yeah. Or just working styles sometimes. It might not be a personal like or dislike. It might be just a, you know what, you're great, but our working styles are completely at odds. So, you know, let's not make things unpleasant six months down the line because no. we just clash in terms of style. That can happen. Um. And if I turn it around for you, what does a good client look like? For us, um, there's a couple of things. So again, a good chemistry fit. Two is trust. It can be really, really difficult to kind of get on with the work if we're constantly being asked to account for, for, for what we're doing. We need to see this. We need to see that rather than just being able to be, to be trusted to get on with the work and deliver the results. Now, I don't mistake that for a lack of contact or a lack of feedback. It's just, you know yourself, sometimes 
with SEO, a lot of the work is research and auditing. And you can't create a strategy until you have all of the variables at your fingertips. So you can't just pull out a magic recommendation because that might change a week later because you haven't done um, your link audit part or you haven't done your um, offsite citations and reviews audit part. So it's until you stitch together all of these key aspects of what determines your um, perception of how well a business is performing that you can really start to deliver the magic. Um, so trust, I think, is really important too from a client relationship. Um, and three, collaboration. It's also understanding that <clears throat> we're not going to spin. We're a good quality, high level consulting agency. We don't tend to write copy for our clients. We want to work in collaboration because just as we were both saying, that tone of voice that needs to come from your soul. Yeah. So we're not going to be doing this sort of work. We're too expensive to pay for us to do that. This is work that needs to come internally. And it's just getting that balance of understanding what is best and provides best ROI for us to do and work that is best for you to do. And in, in terms of budgeting for stuff like this, so say that I'm paying you two grand a month to uh, to do stuff, I, I probably should also budget in development time and copywriting time, right? Because that's going to come on, on top of that. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, WordPress is great. Massive fans of WordPress. And it can be really quite, uh, it, you can do so much without a developer, but also WordPress developing isn't quite as um, as much of a concern as, say, if you've got a Magento or a Kentico, which can then, you know, require a lot of additional budgeting on top of that. Yeah, is, it becomes very costly very quickly. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was being more tactful. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely I, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but it does mean that when you're budgeting for this stuff, you need to think about hey, the two grand a month is only probably realistically maybe going to be half or even less of what I'm going to spend in total. I'm actually with with WordPress uh, solutions like WordPress and Shopify, which has also come on so far in the past sort of couple of years. Um, with solutions like that, um, you might need to tack on another third contingency just to make so maybe a three grand a month total. Um, if you can't do your your development in house, you don't have that resource there, or you know you should really be doing your copywriting in house as well. But just thinking about it in terms of time allocation as a budgeting sort of exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just to be on the safe side, sometimes it's a lot less because both CMSs are fab and we can do things cost efficiently. Um, and we are quite a technical agency. Um, so whilst we don't do development work, we don't touch the database, we don't touch the back ends, um, but we will absolutely provide really technical solutions. So in as far as possible, our goal is to keep total costs down but you're absolutely right eyes open there may be additional development costs particularly if performance is an issue yeah so say i engage with an agency what what should i expect at that point what what does uh, what does that look like so normally we would try to front load a lot of the research work in the first month so we're aiming to be able to start a growth strategy from month two so month one is diagnostics it's auditing um, it's almost always cleaning up or implementing a proper analytics strategy whether it's google analytics or another solution with ga we're always using google tag manager as well 
Um, so it's getting that set up, getting it clean as possible, getting parity with your um, with your own e-commerce system. So if you're using WooCommerce, have we got um, complete data parity or have you got a 10% or more discrepancy between what your e-commerce transactions are in GA and your e-commerce actual real transactions are in WooCommerce? So all of those sorts of activities um, a month one. Um, so data as perfect as possible so that we're working with um, the most optimal kind of set of, of data as possible. Audit, diagnostics, all of that information comes in and then we put a strategy for growth together and then we're implementing from month two onwards um, so that we're seeing results by the end of month two onwards because I think it's really important to, to demonstrate if not ROI immediately within the first three months someone should be able to see the ROI potential by the end of month three. I'm not into this. I know a lot of SEO agencies will say, oh, well, it takes six months to get traction. And, you know, you've got, no, 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 no. Do not believe in that. We move hard and fast. A lot of technical changes that we're making will drive overnight improvements from the point of implementation. So it, it's not the days that it used to be when, you know, five years ago, oh, it takes ages to get traction. It really doesn't. Some things might, like your content strategy aspects, will take a few months to start to, to accrue. But technical changes, performance improvements, getting your IA correct, all of that stuff will be hard and fast gains. So our goal is to get our clients to see that ROI, um, if not fully realized in three months, then certainly they can see the graph going towards it. Cool. Um, and at what point does that stop? Does someone ever not need an agency anymore? Um, I'm trying to think of a scenario and I can't because growth is always growth. They might need a different agency. So there might be a point, and I have seen this in, in auditing competitors to particular new business that we've just brought on board in the last three months. We've audited a couple of their competitors and seen that they've sort of maxed out their capabilities in terms of SEO. So at that point, if that was my client, I would be saying to them, do you know what? Let's pause. We need to pause because we're starting to, to, to degrade on our efficacy because your site needs an overhaul. We've maxed out on the value potential you can get from SEO because your site is too slow here, because your site is not as mobile friendly as possible here. So we need to rebuild. You need a different agency to look at this part. So that's the only scenario I can think of. Generally, you've got a, a growth trajectory. That means that everything is moving together really nicely. So you're reinvesting at the same time. Um, but there might be some occasion if budget is a little bit limited or they need to, to stop, let the data bed in. Look, um, look at a different project, look at a rebuild project. You're still gonna need to bring the SEO agency to do the tech specking and all the redirect mapping and the IA for the new site and all the rest of it. It's just the nature of that relationship will change to more of a project as opposed to a retainer business. Yeah. Are you aimed at mostly doing retainer business or you do both? We do both. And to be honest, I'd say we're 60, 40 at the moment in favor of retainers. Um, the rest obviously being that the nature of that sort of project work. Um, that It's interesting to say what's most fun because they're, they're both really enjoyable for different reasons. With, with a project like that, it's a chance to really like blow the socks off because you can really, 
you know, make it your own and you can, you know, you're not inheriting something. Yeah. You can really put a stamp on it and you can really drive a nice step change um, improvement. Um, retainer business is great because you've got that sustained relationship there. You're learning together and you're growing that traffic together. And that's really rewarding to see that journey. So different reasons that both are really exciting. Yeah. Oh, and it's also, I think it's a, your mix is a pretty good one because it means that you're, uh, the, the 60% pays for all your people, I, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, okay, so um, you go in, you have this project, the first month you're off into the woods and you're doing all your research and then you come back and then you start working on things. At what point do do you talk to each other? Is that weekly, monthly? What, what? How often do you talk to your clients? Generally, in month one, we would be talking weekly because we're still requiring some feedback as well. Yeah. Um, there'd be certain things that we might need to track, um, certain things we'd want to recommend that we need the client to green light. So it might be that we're setting up GTM and the client is selling product, we do a lot of e-commerce, which is why I keep talking about it. So obviously we might be um, making sure that e-commerce tracking is is all set up perfectly, but we're probably looking at the, their analytics and saying, I think you could also do with tracking these other stages of the journey. So we're coming back with things that require input and feedback quite frequently in that first month. Um, so I'd say weekly in the first month for deaths, maybe fortnightly in the second month and then ongoing. Um, sometimes it gets to a point where it might be sort of monthly calls or monthly deeper meetings. Um, and we're just using project management software like Basecamp um, to, to sort of keep in the loop. And we're sending maybe a weekly kind of, this is what we did this week. Or if, you know, this is what we did this fortnight, da, 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 da. Um, here's your report. Here's the key achievements, that sort of thing. So. Once we're really kind of cooking with gas six months in, it depends on personalities. Um, some clients might be just smashing it, get on with it, send me a report at the end of the month, monthly call, that's cool. Others might just need to a bit more hand-holding. It's personality-driven. Yeah, and that's probably also one of the things that you should be asking for when you're when you're getting an agency. Like, what, what do you want? What do you expect for yourself? And then is, that, is the agency going to fit with that? Mm-hmm. So, in your team, you've uh, you've got a ten person or so team. How do you m- make sure that everyone in your team actually stays on top of what they're um, what they need to know in terms of knowledge about the field that they do? Mm-hmm. So, how do they stay on top with SEO, CRO, online marketing in general? Is that something that you, as a business owner, well, work on a lot to to make sure that they get their keep their knowledge up to date? So one of our core values um, is research and development and self, as part of that self-guided learning. So whilst there's obviously an aspect of keeping on top of what's going on on Twitter, what's the latest news and that sort of thing, um, we really put it at the forefront and put it into everyone's minds that we don't just recycle other people's research. as an, We don't read and recycle we obviously take it on board, but we test from first principles. Um, 
and I don't know whether it's just getting the hiring strategy right, um, but I've got some really great, really kind of entrepreneurially thinking SEOs on my team right now. And they come to me, they say, I'm really seeing some data that suggests that Signal X might be, you know, getting stronger in terms of algorithmic contribution. Can we put some time and budget to R&D on that? And I'll say, okay, show me the data. Yeah, 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 we should. Um, you know, take half a day a month, um, get that dev involved, do it. So so absolutely, that's, that's how we do it at Erudites. It's a combination of following the right people. And I can see that they're doing that. <laughs> We're all on Twitter doing that. Um, but it's also internal challenge and self-guided learning through test and R&D principles. Well, I, I, I love how you explain that because honestly, if they are just on Twitter, I would be very, uh, I mean, Twitter and, and especially the SEO space on Twitter can be a bit of an echo chamber. Um, a, a, an echo chamber with with sort of a three year reverb. So after three years, three years everything comes back, <laughs> and every three years everything comes back. And we've both been in this industry for long enough that we've seen most of it a couple of times now. <laughs> um, yeah, frequently reminded of that. Oh, and this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> every couple of years, oh, you've burnt that, have you? But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it. No, so so doing your own research is important, but it's also scary, isn't it? Because doing research in on SEO is incredibly hard to do well. Yes, I guess I guess it is. And do you know what else is quite difficult or interesting as well? Is sometimes it doesn't go your way, and so, so sometimes your hypothesis is not correct. And what do you do with that? Do you know what I mean? So I think that's a really interesting, um, you know. <laughs> challenge from a scientific research principle is we've we followed a hypothesis we've invested uh, one out of five working days a week for this person to to follow this and they've they've done that test they've seen that actually there's no correlation between point a and improving results or whatever it might be is that wasted work so you know it, it's it's sort of, it's a really interesting because not every test works out as expected. But, but do you publish it though? Um, we do, <laughs> we do actually, and in fact, um, Miracle. I think you met Miracle. Um, were you? I think you were both on a something maybe recently, or maybe it wasn't so recent. Um, but she's got a she's got an upcoming talk about um, something that we tried to do with IBM Watson that didn't work the way we wanted to, but she's actually going to go through, she's, she's going to put it all out there and say, right, this didn't work how we wanted it to. Here's what we did. Here's the work. This was fun. Oh, well, next one. Because I think that's, it's more fun. It's interesting sometimes, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, there's so often I'm tempted to show the UX designs that we threw away because, and why we threw them uh -huh. away. Yeah. And, and stuff like that is, is very... I think it would be great if people showed their failures, failures a bit more because it is, I, it, I mean, it's part of, of, of uh, any research project, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My wife would absolutely kill me if we didn't do it, stuff like that uh, at, at some point, but it, it, it is, it, it is simpler, a lot simpler to only publish your positive research where it has a positive outcome. 
It is, but here's the thing. I also think it's our responsibility in a way to show the working out, if you know what I mean. So for example, we, we've done a lot of work on accessibility in the past year and we would love morally <clears throat> and ethically if there was a strong correlation between sites that are high, high accessibility factors, let's say, and good UX criteria improving ranking. Wouldn't that be great? World would be a better place. As far as we can ascertain, there isn't. But by perhaps showing the workings, and this is something we're working on at the moment, is looking at correlation studies between some key accessibility criteria and ranking position. It's really difficult to extract the causal aspect. You know what it's like. Is it correlation? Is it that they're just doing other stuff that's really good as well? Is it that highly accessible sites invest a lot in SEO because they're just more web literate? Da, 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 da. So it's difficult, but even if we can't prove anything, I think it's kind of a responsibility to say there is no proof here that there's a correspondence, but shouldn't we be doing this anyway? Isn't this all part of good on page, on page full stop, not just on page SEO, because it, it shouldn't all be about providing an experience or pro providing a service that makes your site rank better. It's not what it's all about. No, I, yeah, I fully agree. So we, we have a lot of, or a lot where we have a couple of people focusing internally on accessibility and um, on accessibility of WordPress core as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I think is that we should just bake SEO and accessibility into these things so that it automatically goes correctly. I mean, it's so hard to have to do this after the fact. Uh, absolutely. And you just end up with this culture of algo chasing, which has yeah. always been the problem with, with, some aspects of the industry with the Twitter echo chamber that you mentioned. It's this approach to kind of chasing the algorithm, trying to determine and deconstruct aspects of the algorithm instead of working out what is what's the best page experience for everybody, everybody that might encounter that page and optimizing for that and let the search engines catch up with you rather than the other way around. Cool. So, um, in the SEO landscape, we we did have some changes in the last few years. I mean, although a lot of the technical aspects maybe didn't even change all that much over 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 time, it seems like the the ecosystem is changing a bit. Mm -hmm. And some of what we used to do as SEOs is becoming a bit more commodity and 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 basically just works out of the box, especially with WordPress and Shopify, etc. Has that changed how you do work as an agency? Um, not us. We've always been quite focused on, to, you know, the UX aspects of providing a good SEO service and the more technical aspects. And as you say, a lot of these things are taken care of out of the box, particularly with WordPress and Shopify. But to an extent, there's always room for improvement. And there is, you know, no matter how good um, the two CMSs may be, you know, as well as I do, images. It's not sexy. It's not the super technical stuff. But that's always the first place you're going to look 
to, to optimize the user experience and optimize those, um, you know, if you're looking at the scoring, you know, your um, FCPs or whatever it might be that you're using as your, your metric to determine how good, how fast um, this page has been delivered. It's always going to be image work, and that's on you to to, to work on that. Yeah, obviously the CMS, and, and there's an element of how which image is selected and delivered and using a variable source set and all the rest of it. But the core image itself and getting that aspect right, there's still always work to be done somewhere. Yeah, it was. It's funny. I was just looking with uh, um, uh, you know him well, my colleague Jono, this yes. morning um, at. Uh, a couple of blog posts on Yoast.com where uh, some of our colleagues copy-pasted content from Google Docs into uh, the um, post. And it turns out they copy-pasted the image along, didn't really think about it themselves as well, and the image is still hosted on Google Docs. And nothing ever tells you that it's still hosted on Google Docs because it works and it loads for everybody, etc. But it's slow as shit. So... <laughs> so, so this, a lot of these things were, well, I think that is partly the problem with the CMS because you're copy pasting in something from Google Docs. It's saving the text locally, but it's not saving the image locally. Why is it not saving the image locally? That, that's weird. <laughs> but it is things like that that you just keep on going back to. It's weird, isn't it? We, we're still fixing the same things that we were fixing 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I think... So work like that is probably a really good case for having an agency when you are a business of a certain size, because that's not the best use of your time. Going back every three months and just doing a re-audit with the best will of intentions, even if your site is like a thousand pages, a really, really small website, things, things still, you know, you will end up with an orphan URL. You will end up with 404s here and there. You will end up with you know, images all over the place and all sorts of different sizes because different people start to work on it. And it's just that exercise of, you know, standard dilution and that sort of thing. It's a hard job for you to stay on top of all of that as a business owner. Outsource it. Take it yeah. off your plate. It's it's funny, as we, we talk about it, is that SEO though? Is that, or is that website maintenance in a way? Do you know, I mean, I guess it could fall. The output is probably maintenance absolutely um but the beneficiaring or beneficial marketing channel would be organic search so i guess you could pull that budget from wherever you find it must be <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, no absolutely true so you you go through this process the thing is i've so i've i've started out my career in agency land as you know we've known each other for far too long um and I, I'm just thinking, I used, I used to just write tons and tons of reports. And um, is that still what the majority of what you do? A lot of report writing and then telling the client what to fix? Or is, is yours more fixing fixing it now too? More fixing. Um, definitely more more fixing. We really try to do... I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because there are internal pressures... Um, in in organisations, particularly in certain size of organisations, and I, I know we've 
because you know this is your this is your podcast and and WordPress is your bank so we're talking we're talking more about the the smaller business and the startup sector but most of our clients are quite large we're talking at least 10 million plus well on, so, honestly I was just looking at careers.nba.com yeah. which runs WordPress and USSEO I mean there's well, well, very true so there's loads of these large large businesses that, that run yeah. WordPress on a lot of their sites too very true. Um, I'd say sometimes the larger the business, there is more internal pressure from the people that we're working opposite. So they are get, they are pressured internally from those above them to re, to send reports, to send reports. And that it, it's difficult for us to help them because, you know, we're being paid to do reports, which is fine. That's, that's you know, that's fine. Um, but we try to give them as much ammunition as possible to try to educate upwards and say, the more reporting that that we're doing, the less action is happening, and and that's just a bit of a subtle shift. But that just you know that's larger, more traditional organisations that are really really sort of matrix reporting systems and that kind of structure. It can be hard, but we want to we want to give our clients the ammunition to help them explain further up the channel that it's better if we utilize systems like data studio and you know teaching people how to use that and how to how to change the data that they're looking at understanding that it it updates we don't need to commission a report we just look at the report url and that data is updated and it, it the power is now ours yeah. so that's what we just try and tip that balance a bit so we're more doing rather than reflecting and in in terms of that, what would be the, your preferred KPI to report on to a client? What 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 is the number that you that the people should be looking at? Such as revenue and and search traffic, maybe, or just revenue? Um, search traffic, yes, providing that you've got your keyword strategy right, and your your strategy is one of content di- diversification. Um, so there are still occasions where we might land a new project and we might say, wow, this is amazing. You've got X million visits from organic search a month and we dig into it and we realize that 50% of that is horse. It's not relevant. It's not working for them. So that's why revenue or your your converting goal, what's the point for you? So it might be subscription. It doesn't matter, but you know that that point that commercial point for us has to be your north star because sometimes you know if an seo agency is going your traffic is this and your traffic is that doesn't matter if your sales are like down there it's that traffic supports that commercial goal i i fully agree with you on that note i'm actually going to say that is a great end to to a good show so uh Thank you, Nicola. Um, this has been very enlightening. I think a very good show for everyone who wants to listen and figure out how to hire an SEO agency. So, uh, and if they do, uh, well, Erudite definitely comes highly recommended by us. So uh, there you go. And thank you for your time. And everyone listening, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're not subscribed, make sure you do subscribe. Um, and see you in another two weeks for the next Yo SEO podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you.